0: Episode 7, The Earthiest of Worms. Today on...
1: Press to Cancel. Press
0: B to Cancel. Welcome, this is Press B to Cancel. You are enjoying episode 6, I think it's 6... Earthworm Jim. Is it six? Seven? Episode seven, Earthworm Jim. Wow. Doing it live.
2: (laughs) Doing it live. Fuck it. (laughs) Fuck it all.
3: You guys have been doing this for seven episodes? I've only been here for three.
2: (laughs) Don't you. Don't you worry about that.
1: No, maybe he should worry about that because I've heard him here every time. Has it been him every time?
0: Yeah, I've been on some medicines.
1: Like, is there an. Is there a second Guy Prime?
0: <laughs> All right. I am your host this week, Sick Jake, but I'm not the only worm in this dirt. I'm also joined by some fellow grubs in the garden. See see the puns there? The pun's a thing. I try. I'm joined by uh, Paulsh. <laughs> Paulsh, how are you doing? I are splendid. Thank you for asking. How about you? That's not how this works. I got to go GP. GP, how are you doing? <laughs> Puls just asked. I also are doing well. How are you?
1: I'm great, thanks. (laughs) And you are? Werewolf.
0: Oh, there we go. All right. (laughs) Awesome. Well, everybody, throwing those retro goggles, travel back in time with us to the 90s. The bad hair and neon colors of the past decade are gone. 8 bits was never enough, no. No, we need 16 bits now. And this is when Mario and Sonic ruled like feudal lords with every jealous game company struggling to construct a mascot hero of their own. And the game we're going to discuss in a moment is Earthworm Jim. But the 90s was rise to a number of knockoff attempts. We had Bubsy, Booger Man, even Star, which was a character, literally a walking, talking star. It was a joke. But there was a surge in this genre of mascot platformers, and every company had to have their own in the 90s. But I kind of want to hear from your guys' take. Out of all those 16-bit platformers and mascot-driven games, which one stood out for you, good or bad? GP how about you? Well, I'm just now finding out I've always mispronounced half of those titles.
3: Uh I always said Ristar Star instead of Star. So I'm I'm kinda
0: <laughs> Is this a Rigger a Riger thing?
3: <laughs> yeah, Riger all over again. Um Flashback
1: humor. No, uh
3: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> No, a lot of those titles uh I remember, I I, I know the box art. I didn't rent a lot of them. I didn't deviate much from the big ones. Uh, Your Sonic, your Mario, your Earthworm Jim. So some of those I'm not as familiar with. But uh, really, really happy to be here today. Thank you, guys.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) GP doesn't play games. Just confirmed. That's okay.
3: (laughs) All I need is eight bits. I don't know what to say.
0: Well, that is true. There is a lot of great mascot games on old Nintendo, for example. Battletoads is probably one that stands out for me. I think that was a late, a late uh, entry to Nintendo, if I'm not wrong. Uh, Werewolf, what about you? Do you have any standouts from that uh, period of history?
1: You know what i I do remember enjoying Arrow the Acrobat. I don't know if you guys remember that one. It was like circus themed, and you were a Bat who could like dive up and down, and I I think he could glide. I don't remember all his his abilities, but I had that game on Super Nintendo, and I had a lot of fun with it, despite it being one of those just plethora of mascot games. It was quite enjoyable to me. Even the music was pretty good in it.
0: Well, the neat thing, too, is about I mean, some of these were very forgettable in terms of character design, but some of them were really quite good games. I still love Dynamite Heady, which is like a, I mean, that never became a franchise, but. It came from Treasure, who's a quality company, and that game is difficult, but well made well made that's a word. It's a (laughs) well-created game. It's one of my favorite (laughs) platformer games out there, and that was from that time period. Paul, what about you? Uh, You got me just, I call it guitar store syndrome now because
2: I walk in and I can't think of anything to play all of a sudden. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just going to go with Boogerman, just because I remember the commercials, not the commercials, the uh, the magazine ads always being so yep. cool, and that was it. I, I never even got to play it, to be honest, but I just always wanted to. It just seemed like, you know, the hero that we deserved, kind of thing.
0: <laughs> the hero we picked, but didn't get flicked.
2: Oh.
0: <laughs> see, see. But, oh, I,
2: see. Uh, I think that's... <laughs>
3: An interesting thing, real quick, talking about Booger Man. The point has been made
2: before that, like... Wait, did you just say Booger Man? He did. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Finally, I get to make fun of somebody for me saying Mario, so...
0: (laughs) Isn't that how you say it, though? Booger Man? It's Booger Man. Booger
2: Man. So, yeah. yeah,
3: No, so the point I was getting at was, I feel like the older, like, the 8-bit systems and the older ones had a lot of uh, internal, like almost visceral, you know, organ-looking themed stages, but so many of the 16-bit stages had snot themes. I don't know if anybody else picked up on that, but we definitely went more mucus once the Super Nintendo rolled out.
0: Mm. Well, one of the benefits of that system, I think, and it actually shows in Earthworm <laughs> Gym is... Was, did I miss a joke? I probably did, didn't I? No, I
3: just... <laughs> no, that was all of it
0: for it me. It just
1: sounded like... You are, you you basically stated that, you know, the snot levels were one of the benefits of the 16-bit era. <laughs> That's what I got out of that. Well,
0: it is the mucus that binds us. It's not just a sticky situation. It's it's a good one. It's great. <laughs> but like so you're right though, and that Super Nintendo and Genesis brought us um, games that kind of moved away from that tiled style. Like Nintendo was famous for it, right? You had 16 by 16 pixels in a queue or square to make your levels. And it was just tile driven, but I mean, the Super Nintendo and Genesis had that same tile way of making levels, but they're much bigger and you could have more organic looking tiles. And Earthworm Jim is a amazing picture of that. And it's also, you know what, Earthworm Jim is probably Boogerman, you know, in, in theme because you had uh, some levels like intestinal distress, which were very organic, which are very dirty. Very poo themed (laughs) So maybe you're right. Maybe the 16-bit era is defined by bodily functions. That's what we've learned.
1: I mean, it was around the same time as Ren and Stimpy, and that was a massive success. And Beavis and Butthead, which was also a massive success. So I think it was just toilet humor and grossness was a pervading factor in Western culture at the time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Somebody, many, so many,
3: just every, everybody out there laughs at dick and fart jokes. You, you can't do the first half of that in video games, but you can do the, the back half of that, pun intended. But uh, now a little goes a long ways with those kind of levels, you know, a uh, little dab doo-doo.
0: <laughs> just jar them farts and put on a shelf. Copyright. Oh, yeah, Copyright oh right. right. That's probably a thing now. <laughs> GP, don't sue. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, I mean, so we coming back to Earthworm Jim and the history of how it actually came to be, I was expecting a little bit more, to be honest with you guys, on where this came from. Um, But, I mean, there is a little bit to talk about. The main thing here is it comes down to Playmate Toys. They're the company that in the 80s, 90s made a bajillion, kajillion dollars. And that's a completely real statistic I looked up. And they made their money off action figures, toys, and other merchandise. And it's a fortune they mostly made on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I'm going to assume you guys have all heard of Ninja Turtles and have owned at least two or three figures in your lifetime. Because either GI Jos or Ninja Turtles.
2: Ninja Turtles. Wait, that's that's the one with the uh, the Turbo
1: Tunnel or something.
0: Oh, oh god! You're you're, you're fired.
1: <laughs> my kid has a couple of those Ninja Turtles action figures that we found at a Goodwill a couple of years ago.
0: Oh, I'm jealous. They're they're sturdy toys, man. They last. I
1: I never had them, but I had a lot of friends who had them, and we played with them a lot at their place.
0: Okay. Well, for me, it was like He-Man a little bit, but mostly Ninja Turtles and G.I. Joes. But I mean, but again, the thing is, here is all made by Playmate toys for the most part.
1: I remember those He-Man toys. My cousin had the Castle of Grayskull.
0: I did too. Oh, no, I had Skeletor's Castle because it had the echoey thing. You could talk into it. (laughs) That's probably why I like this bike so much. And like why I like your voice mod system, all that for the voices, because it just reminds me of that toy as a kid. Nice. And you used to speak into a dog's head or a wolf's head and it would echo the sound. Drove my parents nuts. (laughs) (laughs) All the good toys do. I've learned as a parent myself. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, they made a force of Ninja Turtles, which is wildly successful, but Playmates kind of want to look into something of their own, their own unique IP, something that they could spin into a TV show, toys, lunch boxes, breakfast cereals, and all that other crap you see on Walmart shelves, and as well, Playmate had seen the success that Sega had had with Sonic because we all know Mario was king for the longest time with Nintendo, but Sega was somehow was able to carve out a little piece of that pie with Sonic. So Playmate also wanted to break into video games, seeing what Sega did. So now we enter in a guy named David Perry. At the time, he's a programmer at Virgin Interactive. And him and his team helped create a couple of games you might have known, like, I don't know, McDonald's Global Gladiators. I'm sure we've all played that one. But he also did Seven uh, Ups Cool Spot and Disney's Aladdin, which is yes. actually a really great game.
1: Yeah. Now, which version of Aladdin?
0: I want to say the studio did both. I could be wrong on that, though. I know that.
1: Oh, no. Virgin or Interactive was the Genesis one. It was Capcom that did the Super Nintendo. So it was right. probably yeah. the, the Genesis version.
0: Was it really? I didn't realize it was completely different developers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Interesting. Okay. But yeah, he, the, the Virgin Interactive was a heavily an Amiga, uh, Genesis, Sega type studio from what I remember. Uh, now, So now Perry and several of the staff, they wanted to break out and make their own studio. Um, so they basically formed one called Shiny Entertainment. The problem is that Shiny kind of struggled however, on what games to make. They were brand new. They didn't have, you know, the money or, or clout. So Playmate Toys.
2: There was no such thing as clout back then. Can we Can we use a more 90s term? What's a what's a good one? I have no
0: idea. Big Dick Energy. Big Dick Energy.
1: <laughs> that is not nineties at all, sir.
0: That's early two thousands. Oh, that's strictly millennial. My age is
2: shown. Anyway, that's sorry. okay.
0: We're we're all old fogies. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so playmates t- basically toss a sack of cash to David Perry and Shiny, and playmates gave them to. Okay, not clout the. Big kahunas to leverage and acquire licensed properties. So, this is what Shiny was good for, right? I mean, Cool Spot and, and Aladdin, these are all licensed properties. They were good at this. They actually almost made a game based on Knight Rider, they almost had the license for it. But the world, the world just not ready for a digitized version of the Hasselhoff. <laughs> I don't think we ever will be. Now, of the various ideas that kicked around, one Doug tenapple had to look that pronunciation up. Uh, he kind of pitched a hand-drawn sketch of an earthworm in a spacesuit. Shortly after, Earthworm Jim was born in 1994. So, my throat's dry because I talk too much. So, I need a this can of Rockstar. So, Wolf, can you maybe tell me something about Earthworm Jim that stood out for you or something you recall vividly from the game, or if you just watched it recently? Your thoughts on the game?
1: You know what? It's I, I always found it really cool just how gritty the game looked now keep in mind my experience is mostly with the genesis version which looks a lot less refined than the other versions but uh even in the other versions it still it looks very like indie comic book style almost in a lot of ways and i was i was really drawn to that art style as well as the fact that it used so many digitized sounds so jim was saying stuff throughout the whole game. It's ridiculous. He's just shouting things left and right. And it's all just... It's it's memorable. You remember the way he says things, not just what he says. And... I don't know. It The game just had so much character and personality. And even though I wasn't a gigantic fan of the game, my friends all loved it a lot more than I did. I was... Eh, it was a platformer for me. I wasn't super into it. So, controversial opinion there. But... Aside from that, I thought it was very visually appealing, and it it did some cool stuff that you didn't really see before that.
0: I'll always remember,
1: "Yee doggy, groovy." <laughs> yeah.
0: Gro- yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. The well sound, the, the voice well done. samples are amazing. Well done. Yeah, I'll see if I can was do it. Well done, I
1: Yeah, I think they burped it. I listened to it a few times today, and I think that was a belched version of them saying Earth uh,
0: They're not afraid of belching in that game. There's one boss. The first major boss of the first level is a construction worker on a crane, and he just belches fishes at you. Like, it's hilarious. The design. <laughs> but to touch on, so you mentioned, like, the Genesis version. I also played the Genesis version as a kid. It wasn't the SNES version until much later. And watching the comparison of the two, I didn't quite realize... It's almost drastic in how different the graphic quality is between the two. Um, the Genesis version, there's a lot of dithering effect on the backgrounds, and the colors overall are much darker.
1: I noticed that. It's it's a much starker contrast from color to color on the Genesis, and they use so much dithering. Like I I can't think of another game that I've seen that does quite that much, especially in the 16-bit era.
0: Well, when they say, like, the console wars, I mean, between Nintendo and Sega, it was a real thing, and a lot of games would put ports on both machines, but there was definitely a clear level of graphic quality that the Super Nintendo had over the Genesis. I still like the Genesis version more for the music and sound, which you can talk about later, but the graphics, I think, on this one with the Super Nintendo version are spot on.
1: You know what? I gotta say that I actually think the fact that the Genesis version looks grittier is more fitting to the game's... Overall aesthetic. The Super Nintendo version, it seemed like it was too detailed for the content. And yeah, there were a few points where, you know, you'd notice something in one version from the other that doesn't look as good. Like, what is level two or three, whichever one the lava one is, at the end of the stage where you're fighting the snowman, you see lava passing under you uh, on the Super Nintendo version. But then. On the Genesis version, it looks like fog. It doesn't look like anything. But for the majority of it, I mean, it just, it almost seems like it purposely doesn't look great. And they still made it look awesome, despite it not looking graphically amazing. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's almost like it was intentional. Yeah. Well, I think they really, I mean, this is a com- they came from a company that was experienced in doing ports of various machines, including Amiga. And the Amiga had some quality-looking graphics, but with limited color set. And you can see that they used a dithering effect from the Amiga games on the Genesis versions. But like the one thing I do like about the Genesis one is I do like the muted color palette. When I was looking at... Um, they did an Earthworm Jim uh, HD remake uh, on the Xbox 360. And the thing with that one is the colors were really bright. And I felt it too bright until I went back to look at the Super Nintendo version. And they're using the same... It appears color palette of the SNES version because I agree with you. I like the Genesis version. I think is the grittier style looks better, but it was just the the colors I was mostly hanging up on. I like that more.
1: Yeah. And it's I, I found it interesting, actually, that the Sega CD version, even though it probably could have done more graphically, they didn't. They left it with the Genesis version's graphics. Yeah, which is a very
0: odd decision. I mean, they improved the music for sure. Yeah, the music
1: bit. is probably with the original composition, whereas, you know, the Genesis and Super Nintendo get the the audio chip versions for their respective platforms, but the the graphics were unchanged, which I found really strange.
0: Yeah, it's really bizarre. In fact, that's the one thing between the different versions is the PC, this game was released on PC and DOS, which is blows my mind to think of it because it, my thinking of DOS gaming it was the Mega Man DOS game which was trash but Earthworm Jim actually looks pretty decent we were talking before the podcast that it looks a lot like the Super Nintendo version graphic wise although just not quite as polished but that Sega CD seems like a wasted set of resources to not even touch the graphic quality at all in fact it's probably worse because you have more load times
1: yeah or maybe they didn't punch it up because the load times were getting too bad I don't know
0: that could be a thing too all right. GP, what about you? What stands out for you about Earthworm Jim, one or two?
3: My my history with Earthworm Jim is a, a bit limited. That was um that was a game my brother played cuz he had the Genesis. I had the Super Nintendo, so he had the Genesis and that was a game that he bought, but I could never buy or rent because my dad, you know, didn't see the point in renting a game that we already owned. So, my experience mostly with Earthworm Jim is less in playing and more in watching. Um, So a couple things I'll say. The first is that I always loved the the look. Um, To me, it was one of the more smoothly animated games. The whole thing looks like a giant cartoon, and it's smooth. You know, it's like you're watching a show, especially if you're watching somebody else play it. And in that way, and I'm so happy you mentioned Cool Spot earlier... Coolspot was my version of that game. Like Those are, to me, two games that go hand-in-hand. Hand. Um, well animated, good use of graphics and color, and uh, sound as well. Uh, as for Earthworm Jim, like you said earlier, the, the sounds are iconic and memorable. Um, I would liken it almost to the spitting noise from Sonic. It doesn't matter the context. If you hear that noise, you can place it. And a lot of the things are similar with uh, Earthworm Jim. The kind of rapid fire of his of his gun and things like that.
2: That constant whipping because I could never hit anything on to like Target. <laughs> right, <laughs>
3: but <laughs> you know, I I've never really been in love with the Genesis because of I always felt they were very clunky looking games. Earthworm Jim, more than most, is the exception to that, for me.
0: Yeah, I agree on the the iconic sound set here. I mean, part of it is possibly because of uh, Tommy Tellerico. He's the sound and composer for the game, and he's actually very fairly well-known in North America uh, gaming industry. Uh, He's well-known for making a set of uh, standard sound effects that they use, or that he sells to other game companies, and that's been used for over a decade, if not two. But he's also the one, I believe, who did the music on Aladdin um, and a few other games for the company. So he's got a really great sense of sound and music but then they'll also randomly throw in classical music pieces there out of nowhere right i want to say the hell level has that uh oh what's the name of that song moonlight sonata is that what it is yeah and it's just it's just out of nowhere <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> that they fit it in there that was probably my
2: favorite level because of that <laughs> it was
0: just oh, so really? <laughs> like
2: yeah i used to, i remember sitting down and just Letting the time go, out kind of deal, <laughs> just going on with it because I just love that song. And my brother's like, "Why are you listening to Moonlight Sonata?" And
1: I'm like, "What's that?"
0: Right. It's just a good song. Yeah.
3: yeah. Why? Why? Why is Why is there an Earthworm Gin track on this uh, CD of classical music? <laughs> it's like going to McDonald's and somebody asks if you want a Pinot Grigio. It's like, what? That's way too classy for this
0: setting. <laughs>
1: Man, this piano track is groovy. <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> well it, done. It really is fantastic music. Well done. Yeah. As the cow says.
1: <laughs> also, I I'm sorry, I just wanted to you you mentioned the well done. I want to point out that the cows on the 16 bit versions were standing in a pasture, but on PlayStation and Saturn, they were standing on surfboards. Really? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just wanted to get that out there while I was thinking about it. I'm sorry.
0: The game has, there are changes between the different ports, and some of them are just bizarre. Like, I mean, while we're talking about it, there's one level called, um, I want to say it's, oh, what was it? It involves Peter Puppy, the, uh, the puppy guy that you have to basically escort safely across this hellscape on a different planet, and you got to whip him to make him jump and all I these various things. That. It's a frustrating level. But what's weird about it is the background. It's like a space backdrop of the planet. That backdrop is different on almost every single port. Oh, yeah. Like the Genesis Sega CD is different from the SNES. It's also different on the DOS version, which is very bizarre to me.
1: They all seem to have different ways to make the background look cool, too. Like on the on the DOS version, it had a lot more background layers moving at a time. So it had clouds scrolling along the bottom. It was a very purple color palette. The Genesis and Sega CD had a bright orange and red color palette where the sun had, or like the planet in the background looked more like a star or a burning planet that, you know, you could see layers on it moving. And then on the Super Nintendo version, it was, like, a really high-quality background that was blue. And I think it had two layers of uh, background. I can never think... Parallax. It had, like, two parallax layers in the background so that little things could move behind the bigger things and all that.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting how, like, they try to take advantage, I guess, of every platform's strengths with that kind of thing. Like, when I look at um, the the down-the-tubes level, the underwater section... Even though the Genesis couldn't do like Mode 7 or, you know, like fancy anime backgrounds like the SNES can, they were able to do like an underwater wavy effect on the tubes themselves and parts. That is not there in the SNES version, which is kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I noticed that. It's, It's like none of it was a lazy port. Every single version of the game had taken advantage of the hardware's resources to make it the best experience it could be instead of just letting something lack and leaving it.
0: It it definitely really shows. And one of the things I really liked was uh, the Sega CD version uh, and Genesis version, where they're able to, they fit in additional levels. Even the Genesis version has a a level called intestinal distress, the gross level. I don't know if Nintendo just, you know, kiboshed because of the gross material, or if it was just a, a memory issue, but the Genesis version has a whole other stage. The SNES version doesn't. As well, the Sega CD version, which is a special edition version, has another level based on French fries as well. So it's <laughs> like they added stuff to the different ports. At least they tried to make them different.
1: That's pretty cool. I didn't know that.
0: but Paul show about yourself.
2: Uh I gotta say the thing that stands out the most for me is probably the fact that of all my video game experience in, you know, this like the 16 bit era, this is the first time I've ever played a game where my first experience playing the game was exactly as expected upon, after seeing the commercials and the magazine ads. And I mean that in the best way, like, you know, when you get excited when you see the ads in the magazines and stuff like that. That's something I wanted to play so bad when I was a kid. I was like, this looks cool! Yeah, but uh, I just remember playing the... Um, the game after finally seeing all the magazine ads and commercials and wasn't disappointed i think the only thing that disappointed me was the difficulty and you know i didn't have the, the goods to get ahead in the game basically so i, I never really got very far on them but
0: the levels that i did play goddamn, i played them a lot well the thing like the difficulty is a good one too this is not an easy game i mean at first, it looks, you know, cartoonish graphics. I mean, pretty as they are, still cartoonish based. And it seems like a fun, wacky game, but it's actually quite difficult. I mean, even the second level, you mentioned uh, whip swinging earlier. That's one of the main mechanics, besides just shooting. there's Whipping is a big part of the game, where you have to hit these tiny little hooks with the tip of your head as you whip it. And if you miss, you fall. And that usually is not a concern. But the second level, there's a couple double whip jumps, which are very tricky to do. And I had a hell of a time doing those as a kid.
2: Yeah. And then besides that, you'd end up bouncing around on the tires and stuff like that. And that was really tricky. <laughs> it's like the hitboxes were not as like easy to, uh, I don't
0: know, figure out, I guess. Well, it comes down to, again, because we mentioned like the organic style. With that comes, I guess, a... Uh, the hitboxes of the characters and the levels are not always easy to figure out, right? right? It's not square tiles. And those tire sections of the first level are very much like that. It's very hard to kind of see where you're going to bounce.
2: And I think that's probably the experience that I had, too, is because of that, you know, there's no tiles, like you said. So it has this weird transition of, hey, I've never played a game like this before. Where, is, where do I go? Where does, like, you know, before I even knew what hitboxes were, it's just kind of... How, how does this work? You're still kind of feeling it out is what I was doing. And it, you know, it might have been part of the difficulty for me, but I, either way, I liked it because it was just something I, I can't
0: really put my finger on with another game in that era. So, I mean, this series, you're right. Like the, there's that almost undescribable kind of quality or charm of the game. That is Tried before by many other companies, right? Like Boogerman, I think, is a good example of a company that tried to have a, a wacky, kind of crazy, zany theme. I don't think kind of panned out as much as Earthworm Jim. Earthworm Jim's character designs and names are just just like satire, pure and simple. Like Shiny Entertainment is a game that, like we said, has, has done all kinds of license properties. They always had to kind of play by the rules of those companies' IP they can't get wacky with Aladdin, right? Disney wouldn't allow them to, you know, 7-Up's cool spot. I mean, they did a great job with the animations and bringing that character to life, but it was probably difficult for them to do their own unique, you know, enemies or other characters to that game. Earthworm Jim was just theirs and they went crazy with it and they tried breaking tropes. Well, I mean, one of the tropes is, you know, Mario saves the princess. In Earthworm Jim, the princess is called Princess (laughs) What's-Her-Name? Yeah. And like... That girl's she's got hot. curves. Yeah, she's hot, right? <laughs> so they took the they took the family-friendly Mario princess and put on his head.
1: And then he doesn't even get to save her really. She ends up getting crushed by a cow at the end. Spoiler, spoiler. Spoilers. Oh, come on. If you haven't played Earthworm Jim <laughs> by now, it has been 25 years. I think I think we're spoiler safe.
0: Well, what's great is the first level, one of my favorite moments, actually. I mean, we know the game has a, a theme about cows for some reason. It's a bizarre humor. But in the first three seconds, you have to jump over this hill, and there's this refrigerator teetering on a rope. And there's a, there's a seesaw and a cow on one side. And the game forces you to whip that fridge. So it basically ejects the cow into orbit. Cow launch. Thre- yeah, cow launch. And then, that's right. The announcement screen, cow is launched. Like, what is this? And every other level, you'd see a cow flying by the background with the moo. (laughs) It's so random. I think that's probably what actually
2: solidified it for me, what I was talking about earlier, about how it did not let me down. You know, when you get that that hype from seeing the original magazine ads and stuff. As soon as you launch that cow, I was like, this is exactly what I needed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is what I've been missing. But the ending is when you save the princess before you get a kiss from her, that cow you launched in the first five seconds of the game, an hour later, lands on the princess.
1: (laughs) And then if you wait long enough, like because her crown goes flying off after that, if you wait long enough, Earthworm Jim will come back on screen after he's left, look around and then just grab the crown and walk off. Never minding the princess or the cow at that point who have fallen into the water.
0: And the animations on his face are just perfect. <laughs> like there's just so much animation detail they put into him. Yeah, it's great. No, I love it. If you, do, if, I think it's the Genesis version. If you stand still long enough, the idle animation is basically him just singing. I think his pants fall down, and it's all amazingly well animated stuff. Like the sprite work is top notch.
2: He also starts
0: skipping rope with his head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's great. <laughs> But I mean, they even can t- carry the cow theme into the second game. The second game, there's a whole level where you're trying to save cows from UFOs, trying to abduct them. It's just off the wall. And again, spoilers, if, but if you haven't played it, shame on you. I want to say the ending for the second game involved the princess pulling a zipper and unzipping it showing that she's a cow underneath. And then Cycro does it. He's also a cow. <laughs> and then Earthworm Jim does it. He's also a cow. It's all cows.
1: And then it re-rolls. Games. the the epilogue storyline to replace Princess What's-Her-Name, Psycho, and Earthworm Jim with the words cow.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See, this game was so all over the place, but at the same time, it felt like everything was perfect. You know, like, the way they did it, it didn't seem... It it was so random to the point that it it felt like it was all plotted this way. It was crazy.
3: You kind of get the sense that it was a game that they made just kind of for themselves with jokes and things that they thought they would like. Like, this is the game we want to play, and we'll put it out there, and the people who get it will find it. And the people who don't can go back to doing Sonic or doing Mario, come what may.
0: It's full of, like, hidden inside jokes that only the team would probably know. Uh, one of the levels, in uh, the bonus level, actually, is called Andy Asteroids. It's named after one of the employees, Andy Astor. For example,
2: oh god, that's, and I think that's was the, the reason uh, I couldn't get any further in the game. I think it was.
0: <laughs> it was not on the le- on the stage of uh, bonus levels. It's certainly not very high. It's not. It's not a great one. But what I love is um a second the second game had more power ups than the first one, and there was one called an I think it was called the Bruddy. It's basically a, a sandwich made with French fries, which is, apparently is a thing in the UK, but it's also named after a staff member, Nick Bruddy. So it's kind of like they, they use a lot of staff names as inside jokes for items in the games. It's awesome.
1: Hmm. It's interesting just how much bizarreness they threw into this game. And then it was still such a massive success.
0: Well, like we mentioned, like, uh, Ren and Stimpy earlier and how
1: that's, that's like,
0: true. Ren and Stimpy was notable for the classic style of cartoon animation, like the, the facial expressions, and whatnot. And they brought some of that to Earthworm Jim. And then after the games came out and were successful, they actually, before the second game came out, they actually released a cartoon, which there are all kinds of cartoons in the 90s on WB. But Earthworm Jim had two seasons, and I love the hell of that cartoon show. I don't know if you yeah. guys have seen it.
2: it. It's really good because it really good. That's, that's, I, I, I speak well. Um, <laughs> It had that same humor that you get it with like Freakazoid and Animaniacs, which yes, was just, yeah. it It just hit the spot. And it was just like, it was kind of like watching The Simpsons when you know there's some kind of joke in there. There's some kind of reference that you don't get, but you laugh anyway because it was just done so well. That's That's what made the show great for me.
1: And honestly, from what I remember of the cartoon and from what I saw digging into it a little bit this week, Uh, I got to say that it seems like they took the source material from the game and then just did whatever the hell they wanted with it. But because the game was already so out there, so random, so bizarre, it didn't seem like they were taking it and doing the wrong thing with it. They just did something else with it and it still worked.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, they had like Earthworm Jim and his his sidekick, Peter Puppy, just living in a random house in suburbia. Like, uh, it makes no sense. But it still kind of works.
1: And even like in the I think of the first episode, uh, Princess What's-Her-Name gets kidnapped by Psycho and she kicks his ass at first.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they made her a badass in the cartoon, which is, again, is uh, the idea of the hero saving the, the princess trope. Again, Northrop Jim kind of gets away from that and having the princess be a bit of a badass.
2: What was the princess's sister's name again, by the way?
0: Oh, I don't remember.
2: I don't remember the sister. She's like the last boss.
3: Because <laughs> the, the, These are the people who came up with uh, Professor Monkey for a head. And, you know, names like that.
0: And to be fair, that professor actually has a monkey embedded in his head.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty literal.
0: I like it. Like, that's <laughs> like fantastic. I love it. Mm-hmm. Oh, the I
1: I didn't realize they were sisters. The evil queen, pulsating, bloated, bloated, festering, festering, sweaty, pus-filled, malformed malformed, slug for a butt. butt.
2: (laughs) Queen slug for a butt, for sure. Yeah, that was her sister.
0: I didn't realize that was her sister. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't either. uh,
2: Side of the gene pool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, someone's got someone hit the genetic lottery
0: and the other did not. Yep. But, like, I, I just love, like, Peter Puppy, right, for example. Just an innocent little puppy. In the first game, when you're doing the escort level, every time he falls in a pit, he turns into this Dr. Jackal, Mr. Hyde, purple monster, and just devours you and knocks yeah. you back a few inches. Yeah. But then in the second game, <laughs> this is twisted, But the, and they would never do this game today, I can tell you right now. The second game had this bonus level where you have a giant marshmallow, and somebody's throwing Peter Puppy's puppies
1: it's like the window
0: of his house. Psycho. Yeah. And you have to bounce on the marshmallow over to Peter puppy to catch him. And if you drop and it splats and it and it splats and dies, he gets pissed off at you and damages you. But just the idea of catching puppies on a marshmallow or they splat is hysterical to me. I feel so bad. <laughs> but I mean, everything from that to like the the water level, you the, the, the main guy in that was uh, Bob the goldfish or something, something ridiculous. But uh, you ride a giant hamster through the tubes and you're chomping at these floating enemies as you go. <laughs> just the wackiest stuff in this game that I, I see rarely, rarely duplicated. It's just really outstanding originality in this this game. Okay. So, I mean, as much as I love the games, the first and the second one, they're ported everywhere. I mean, there's an HD remake as well. Shining kind of stepped away from the series. They were actually bought by Interplay, uh, another company, another studio, around the same time the second game uh, came out. Interplay kind of wanted to take advantage of the property, but Shiny as a studio for, I guess, what a reason decided they didn't want to have any more sequels. They were, at the time, very big and unique games. I think they did MDK, and I once they did another another game. I can't remember offhand. But they, they tried to do their own unique property, so they, they said no sequels. Interplay, of course, has the rights to from Gym at this point, so they gave the the rights to the brand to a company called Viz to make a new game. And as with the style of the time, platformers are moving into 3D. This is the time of the PlayStation 1 and the N64 and all that. This
2: is where things get murky for pretty much every, you know, franchise because
0: it was hit or miss. Well, see, that was the thing with like the first generation of 3D platformers. Nobody kind of knew what to do with 3D and 2D concepts, right? And that was no different with Earthworm Jim. So games like, like issues with, you know, bland and empty maps, you know, a terrible camera system. And just overall lack of humor and creativity, like as they tried to figure out how to take a 2D property and bring it to 3D, they just failed. But they weren't alone. I mean, a lot of companies had this problem. Even Mario 64, and I like Mario 64, don't get me wrong, charm and, I guess, design-wise, I don't think it looks nearly as as fun as the 2D games or as later 3D entries.
1: No, and I do think that was just a problem in general, like you're saying. With early 3D titles, a lot of the times you know, it's it's an early 3D game, so when you first see it, it's like, oh my gosh, it's that in 3D, but when you really look at it, it's like, well, is it though? It's barely that, and it's ugly 3D. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, they all kind of had this disappointing uh, attitude to it. It's like, okay, so we stepped it up to 3D, but we have to step it back because we don't know how to do this. And so, I mean, not every, like, Super Mario 64 was probably what I call, like, the great one when it comes to, like, the 64 era for that. But there was just so much, uh, to quote Sick Jake, hot
0: garbage. And if you're playing bingo at home, we've said hot garbage. Mark that in your cards.
1: Oh, like Bubsy 3D.
0: But yeah, I mean, when it comes to the 3D games of that, that generation... You're right. They're all bad. Bubsy 3D. Uh, uh, people, for some reason, I don't get it. Love Spyro and Crash Bandicoot. In hindsight, to me, they don't look like good games, but I mean, they were the first generation of, of 3D.
1: Go. No, I was going to say for me, like even when it came to those early platformings, like the 3D games, they were still pumping out new platformer mascots. And one I really like is Croc. And not necessarily for the gameplay, because it's a it's a 3D platformer with tank controls, which is huge. No, no, especially when it's supposed to be higher pace like Mario. But it had so much personality and. Character, it was just something about that really stands out to me, but. it, It could have been a much better game than it was, and that was just something that happened in that early era of 3D platformers.
0: And that was the thing, it was early 3D platformers. We're talking 96, maybe 97, 98 at at the latest. The problem with Earthworm Jim 3D is the developer was plagued with setbacks, delays, issues with the tech, just a lack of imaginative, imaginativity, that's the word, creativity, (laughs) I guess. Like, was it bring the theme across? There there were images they showed in the pre-release footage that didn't make it to the final cut. They just didn't know how to to approach the game. So the game itself didn't come out until 99, which I think was 99, I believe. It was definitely three years late. And by that point, that's when every other company kind of got a handle on how to do 3D platformers. So when they got side-by-side comparison with Earthworm Jim 3D, Earthworm Jim 3D looked really dated. The graphics weren't nearly as good. The gameplay was poor. And again, empty levels, devoid of of creativity. Oh, my goodness. And that's all solved later on. Like we look at Mario 64 versus Banjo-Kazooie. Banjo-Kazooie is infinitely better looking, even though they're on the same console, right? And I would argue that the gameplay is better as well, and it's it's better controlled. So I mean, Earthworm Jim 3D was pretty much a a trash heap for them. And uh, Earthworm and
1: the Jim 3D came out October '99, which means it was yes, we were almost to two thousand at that point. We were rolling up on the next life cycle for consoles at that point.
0: And like when it comes to consoles in the late gen, you expect a, a a bigger leap in quality, right? I mean, I love the later gen NES stuff, right? Because that's when you had Kirby and and Battletoads and whatnot, look great. And same thing with late gen uh, PlayStation stuff, Ape Escape and whatnot are fantastic games on the system, but they all came in the lighter half of the of the console generation. So I mean they they tried they tried to bring 3D, did not work. Uh, Interplay tried to take the license and spin off to other things. There was a Game Boy Advance game. I Once it was uh, Earthworm Jim, Menace to the Galaxy. It was on the Game Boy Advance. You had to collect coins. That's how you progressed through the game. It was a coin collecting game. What? It's, it's like they took, and they also had a really terrible version of Sprite. But it's kind of like they just took the, more, the barest bones of Earthworm Jim, but none of the humor, none of the craziness, and used that for making future games. It's probably no surprise that the guys who created the character, Doug Tenapel and uh, David Perry and Shiny, nothing to do with these other games. And it really showed. And like we go back to the cartoon for a second. The cartoon, we said, I agree, is a great cartoon. Part of that, I think, is because Doug Teneple and David Perry had a a piece of that cartoon. Uh, One was one of the series creators and the other was a producer. So the ones who created the game franchise and made successful also had a say in the cartoon. I think that's why it did so well.
1: I'd also like to mention that uh Dan Castellaneda did the voice of Earthworm Jim oh, no way most of you if you don't know who that is Homer Simpson you can actually hear that Homer Simpson <gasps> in some of the episodes when, <laughs> when Earthworm Jim screams
3: he sounds just like him I'm sorry what, one more time can we get that nope <laughs>
0: oh.
1: I'm not good at it so nope.
0: If you'd like to hear that again, please download download our podcast with <laughs> yeah, all, well, all your favorite podcast services.
1: Just rewind.
0: You can loop it as much as you want. <laughs> all right. So, I mean, so in terms of, you know, Earthworm Jim and its entry into 3- 3D, I guess we kind of answered why it didn't pan out. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll skip that question. But I guess, do you have any interest in the revival of the franchise? Earthworm Jim coming back and bringing brand new who wants to take a stab at that one?
3: I, yeah, I'll jump in on that one. I uh, Go and put me down as a big old yes. Um, like I said, I missed out on this one. It kind of flew under my radar other than just having watched my brother play. So in kind of spending parts of the last uh, two weeks looking at this game and uh, seeing videos of it, my interest is very peaked at it. Um, I'm in the, the middle of trying to build up my Genesis collection And this is honestly now at the top of my list. And so far as a revival goes, if they can do it right without just being remastered and and doing the exact same thing ad nauseum, uh, I would absolutely love to see this franchise come back. I think it could be a lot of fun. And more importantly, I feel like this kind of style of bizarre humor is much more mainstream and digestible now. So I think they could find a really cool audience uh, who who look at this kind of like every Rush fan believes that they are Rush's biggest fan. I, I, think, <laughs> I, th- I think the people who are like, oh my God, I can't tell anybody how much I love Earthworm Jim because they'll say that they like it just as much, but I know they don't. You know what I mean? So I feel like they could really have some success with it if they were able to stay true to the roots but improve upon it for more current styles of gameplay.
0: My worry is that they're not going to be able to nail the humor again something about the original game had that perfect storm of creativity, imagination, and just humor. Like, Toe Jam and Earl was a game I actually quite liked on the Genesis as well. And it recently got a Kickstarter uh, kind of reboot. And the game is not bad. It's very much influenced by the original, which is like a roguelike style game. And the character designs are unique. They're funky, as they would say. But something about the humor of the... Groovy. It's not groovy. It's... It's... uh, Was it tubular I think that was the other word
3: but that's the thing you look at uh, the radicalness of um, those games and this is kind of what I was saying earlier you have those kind of games where you had a bunch of middle aged dudes trying to appeal to the youth and saying well you know we're hip we're now you know we're cool we're jiggy so let's, let's make this game and it'll appeal to the kids and you know it was okay but they couldn't do that same thing now if you tried to make those kind of games, you know, using words like yeet, uh, it's going to fall flat. <laughs> but I think the kind of humor that these guys had is, like I said, still very much around. And it's it's even more mainstream and easier to uh, to understand because we've had SpongeBob, because we've had, you yeah. know, these other things. So I think, I think if they stick true to it and bring in the same kind of people on the same development team, you know, if they're still around, um, I believe Homer Simpson still making shows. So, uh, yeah, I think they could do it.
0: Well, the, uh, I don't know, I guess the jury is still out on if The Simpsons are still funny. I haven't watched it myself in 10 years. But I do love Homer. <laughs> yeah. And as much as I'd love to see Peter Puppy's puppy is being yeeted across a canyon, <laughs> <like> Simba. <laughs> is that the proper use of yeet? Is that how one yeets? I just noticed this word like three days ago. So this, I don't even know what the definition is.
1: <laughs> I haven't looked at how to use that word yeet.
0: I
2: like to say yote just because it. Throws people off. Well, it's the past The gay yeet.
1: I mean, after we're done here, I'm probably going to go get something to eat.
3: <laughs> all right. Why are you uh, so perfect? <laughs> <laughs> the world does not deserve you, werewolf.
1: Thank you.
0: <laughs> all right. Last, last one. Uh, I mean, so we mentioned all the, the glut of 3D or no, 2D platformers in the 90s. <coughs> Where do you guys think? Earthworm Jim ranks among those games from the 90s. Polish, what do you think? I I got
2: to say this one, like they didn't push this uh, series very well. I mean, or not, I shouldn't say very well. They didn't push this series, you know, to keep on repeating itself. So it's kind of, it feels like a one-off, even though there's a few games in the, in the franchise. But I think it's, the way it was designed and the humor and stuff that we were all talking about, it really feels like it, it. one of the higher end ones for me. Like it inspired a lot of humor and, you know, a lot of new ideas and, you know, you could, you could have a great game and you could have a, an entertaining game without having to just have a great story. You know, this is just, pure chaos, like, narratively. <laughs> and it just works amazing. So, it, you know, if you have fun with it, and this was, it felt like a passion project, you know, because they they finally had things they wanted to do, and they said, okay, you know, let's just, let's go full ham. You know, it's like a dude in Adventure Island with his legs just going flying. <laughs> uh, you know. Love them little legs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, it was just, we can do this, why not? So they did. And it's just proof that, like, you know, if you want to, then you can make it work. So I think that they weren't afraid to do it. And, you know, a lot of indie games and stuff lately, it's like, you can you can find that humor if you want to look for it. It'd be really cool to see a bunch of games like that from the 90s. So I think this one's you know, too long, didn't read. It's great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wolf how about you do you have any, any thoughts on this one or final thoughts
1: um i think there's a chance at success for the revival for sure um with shows that have been around let's let's take adult swim as an example that the, that type of sense of humor has a place and an audience and i think if earthworm jim kind of leans into that sense of humor like it needs to be altered a little bit from 25 years ago, but not much. I, I think they can make it work.
0: I mean, you give me the writer from SpongeBob and the voice of Archer, H. Benjamin there. I think you got a show. Yeah,
1: <laughs> John <laughs> Benjamin, Psycho, boom, done. Next thing. <laughs> make it but, so. uh Yeah, I, I think this is one of the better ones. Uh 12-year-old me was not super into it, but I saw The Appeal. As an adult, I'm kind of interested in going back and giving it a a really good shot and trying to beat it, I think.
2: Yeah, that's the same thing for me. It's, like I said, trying to get those Simpsons references all of a sudden. And it's just like, okay, I can go back to this, and I think I can appreciate it even more.
1: Yeah, I, I feel it appeals to me more as an adult than it did to me as a kid. And I I can't really explain why that is. Maybe I'm just less mature these days. Who knows? But. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, well, it's uh, not like it's, you wear
2: underwear on your face or anything.
1: It definitely, yeah, it definitely stands really high on that heap of 90s mascots. There's there's quite a few of them Oscar and Rocky and all those other ones beneath Jim's feet, you know.
0: Hey, GP, how about yourself? Any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, a couple.
0: <clears throat> and I'm glad you asked. Oh, you only get one. <laughs> First off, I, I think that
3: if. Um, the development team decides never to try to revive this game. Clearly, they need to let the four of us do it. I think we've got some great ideas. <laughs> um, I think if we're going to do dream, you know, fan casting, I want Pete the Puppy to be voiced by Nick Offerman. I think he could really bring some <laughs> to that particular character. So, Nick Offerman, if you're watching, a I'm a fan. Uh, B call me, uh, email me, and I'll give you my number. Text me, and I'll give you my email. And uh, the other thought that I have is considering the entire plot for how Earthworm Jim became Earthworm Jim, just a regular Earthworm and a magical spacesuit fell next to him. Think about the number of reskins that you could have. Can you imagine playing Earthworm Jim as Buzz Lightyear, like in the Buzz Lightyear suit? I would love that. So I think there's a lot of things we can do to bring it into uh, whatever 22nd century that we're in. And those are my final thoughts.
1: Some good dots.
0: Yeah, I I would love to see a, a remake of this. I, I, there is a rumor that Netflix was trying to pursue the right pursue. Well, wow, we're just full of new words this podcast. <laughs>
3: <laughs> You're doing it, Willie.
0: <laughs> They're trying to pursue the rights to uh, Earthworm Jim to make a new TV show or cartoon. Netflix has kind of hit or miss on this. So is Amazon Prime. I mean, uh, taking the cartoon tick, for example, and putting the TV, I think worked out well. I'd love to see them do something with Earthworm Jim, but... I don't know. Video game wise, though, we've seen like uh, Paul, she mentioned the indie market right now is huge on gaming, and these are all passion products by small teams or one person, and they're just full of the kind of humor and themes that Earthworm Jim had in the nineties. So I'd l- I'd love to see a new Earthworm Jim, but I don't know. We'll s- we'll see what happens, I guess. Anyway, I guess that's a show. I want to thank all of my co-hosts here today for taking part in this half-assed topic. It was not easy to research.
2: I feel like I full-assed it, though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I put it in a jar and preserve it for the future. That's what you got to do with that ass. You
3: know, you you mock me now, but I just ordered in bulk two, uh, well, we'll say uh, a baker's dozen, a couple of those of uh, mason jars. So I'll see you in Forbes 500.
0: (laughs) Just mark that stuff on Etsy. (laughs) uh, Guy Prime, where can folks find you? Uh, yeah, they can find me on,
3: uh, Twitch under the Retro Therapy. You can find me as the Retro Therapy also on, uh, Instagram and, uh, Twitter and not Tinder. What's the other one? YouTube.
2: Yeah, you can find me under the Retro Therapy
0: at Tinder. <laughs> Swipe right, wipe left, right? That's what i
1: <laughs> oh. uh,
0: Werewolf, where can folks find you?
1: Uh, I can be found on Twitch and Twitter at werewolf, W-A-R-E-W-U-L-F-F. That's kind of a pun on, uh, you know, the big scary beast in video games.
2: What? I just got that. Oh, wow. I,
1: do just puns fly over your head or something? You're a dad. You should get these.
2: What is this,
0: Yakuza?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to interject <laughs> real quick because I made that joke the day that I met Werewolf. Where I'm like, oh, this must be your son, uh, werewolf two, or as we'll call him later on Werewolf four.
2: <laughs> Man. Thank you guys.
3: I've been waiting months for this.
2: Have a good night. Paul. <laughs> how about you? Oh, you can find me at Twitch at uh twitch.tv slash polsch one oh nine. That's P A L S H one Zero Nine. Or if you're uh Yeah if you're really desperate,
0: <laughs> check out Tinder. Or Plenty of Fish. All are fine choices. Unless you're a dirty troll or spammer. Forget it. And I'm Sick Jake. I'm a part-time, biannual, never streamer. You can find me at twitch.tv slash Sick Jake. Or on Twitter, I post random shit. Also at Twitter slash Sick Jake. And that has been Press B to Cancel. Or Wolf, Or should I say Stephen Hawking? Do you want to take us out?
1: This has been Press B to Cancel.
0: Special thanks for music, go to Arthur the Ancient, found on SoundCloud, or The Last Ancient on YouTube. For more episodes, please visit our website, pressb2cancel.com. As well, feel free to like or subscribe at Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you like to listen to your favorite shows. As always, thank you. This has been...
1: Press 2 Cancel.